0: welcome you are listening to the audio information network of colorado this recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print thank you for joining us for food and stuff my name is gretchen miller today we're going to start off with a recipe from smittenkitchen.com my fave black pepper tofu and eggplant this looks scrumptious i spotted black pepper tofu on odalangi's instagram last week a fine place to gush over food the recipe is from plenty an excellent cookbook that I happen to have which means I could make it right away however rather than making it and then still feeling a loose obligation to make a vegetable side dish or salad I decided to add eggplant from there everything went south I don't have three types of soy sauce I can get them theoretically but I was feeling lazy about it I was pretty sure five tablespoons of crushed peppercorns and eight thinly sliced red chilies would make my children run screaming from the room. Eleven tablespoons of butter was a bit rich for my taste, but here's the thing with this and I think all recipes, Much Ado is made about internet recipe commentators and their I changed eight ingredients and it didn't work, zero stars type presence on websites. I'm often asked how I don't lose patience with these types of comments, and here comes an opinion. You just know I had one brewing. (laughs) For the love of absolutely nothing holy, because this internet recipe blog and not the 11th commandment, this is an internet recipe blog and not the 11th commandment, you are allowed to make every single recipe you come across any way that you wish. Got it? Modify for the ingredients that you have modify for the schedule you have or the free time you want modify for the nutrients you need recipes are not Bibles I am no goddess I don't find it annoying I mean we're gonna have to manage our expectations about the outcomes some changes work some don't and we can talk about it I'll answer whatever I can as best as I can but honestly the best thing you can do is to report back in the comments Is tell us what you changed how it went and help the next person with the question out. Which is all to say, I used one kind of soy sauce, a third of the butter, a tablespoon of black pepper, no chilies, I halved the tofu, I added eggplant, and then I ultimately sheet panned it. I didn't only roast it because I'm nursing a hot pink two inch burn on my forearm from dropping tofu and hot oil on the stove if only 13 years of cooking experience here could have warned me about the old water oil issue because to make this entirely on the stove you'll need to fry tofu and then the eggplant and then make the sauce for 15 minutes and that adds up to a lot of time by roasting the vegetables while you make the sauce it comes together faster eggplant and tofu are fantastic together the tofu holds its shape the eggplant collapses and partly joins the sauce and the result was too dark and pretty to even bother garnishing with chilies or scallions but you could you are in charge here's the recipe as i see it black pepper tofu and eggplant serves two to three with rice takes 45 minutes and the source is right here at smitten kitchen note you can watch an instagram story demo of the recipe and there's a link on smittenkitchen.com for high heat cooking and roasting I usually use safflower oil or sunflower oil shallots vary a lot in size but I used four to five medium slash big ones for one and a quarter cups of shallots this will be too salty with regular soy sauce if it's all you've got use six tablespoons tablespoons plus two tablespoons of water cornstarch coated tofu likes to stick to roasting pans but I find by preheating the pan and using a thin spatula and not moving the tofu until it's crisp and browned underneath it's not a problem. You'll need a 14 ounce package of extra firm tofu, neutral oil for roasting, I use safflower, one tablespoon of cornstarch, three quarters to one pound eggplant, kosher salt, three to four tablespoons of unsalted butter, the higher amount is slightly more rich, one heaped cup of thinly sliced shallots or one medium white or red onion thinly sliced five garlic cloves peeled and crushed two tablespoons of finely chopped ginger one half cup of low sodium soy sauce one tablespoon of granulated or brown sugar one tablespoon of crushed or very coarsely ground black pepper and more to taste rice for serving chili garlic sauce crispy chili oil or sriracha for serving you're gonna heat your oven to 425 degrees Fahrenheit drain the tofu and place on a few layers of paper towel with more over it and set aside for five minutes or until needed you're gonna drizzle three tablespoons of the oil over your largest baking sheet and place it in the oven to get very hot while you get everything else ready Trim the eggplant and cut the eggplant into one inch pieces. In a large bowl, toss with one tablespoon oil and a few pinches of salt. Remove hot pan from the oven and spread the eggplant over half to two thirds of the pan. Cut the tofu into one inch cubes and toss them gently in an empty bowl with cornstarch and a couple of pinches of salt until they're coated. Spread on an empty part of the baking sheet. Roast the tofu and eggplant in the oven for 20 minutes to start and after 20 minutes use your thinnest spatula to gently separate the tofu from the pan and flip to crisp and brown it on the other side for about another 10 minutes. Do the same with the eggplant. At 30 minutes the tofu should be crisp and browned and the eggplant should be roasted and tender. If you need to then just cook it for like five more minutes. While tofu and eggplant roast, prepare the sauce. Heat a large heavy skillet over medium heat and add butter. And Once the butter melts, add shallots, ginger, and garlic. Reduce heat slightly and cook, stirring here and there until everything is tender, about 11 to 14 minutes. Add the soy sauce, sugar, and black pepper and cook, simmering for three minutes more. Add roasted tofu and eggplant to the pan and stir to coat with the sauce cook for one to two minutes um, together and then serve over or with rice and add extra heat as needed that would be the sriracha sauce that you've got sounds good to me next recipe is for cheddar beer and mustard pull-apart bread this just sounds so interesting to me and really delicious so you might have created a monster I went back and forth again and again before sharing the recipe for potato chip cookies my presumption was that most sane people would find them revolting that the comment section would be a string of ooze Oh, silly me it turns out that a whole lot of you are closet potato chip sandwich lovers and worse you put Doritos on your pizza you put Cheetos on your tuna I am clearly among my brethren This will only lead to trouble, as the next time I have a weird, funky combination of flavors I want to try out, who will stop me? Clearly not you. So, for a while I've been enamored with this idea of pull-apart bread, such as flow Breakers from her latest book. Yet as lovely as buttery lemon sugar is, or cinnamon sugar for that matter, I wanted to give it a savory spin. My first inclination was to go with the universally adored, but kind of overused these days, cheddar, chives, and bacon, i.e. baked potato toppings. But what I've really been dreaming about lately is Welsh rarebit, which I understand to be pub food in places I haven't been lucky enough to travel to yet. It's a thick, punchy, rich sauce made with cheddar and mustard and beer and butter and cream and spices, and it's often ladled over a piece of toast, such as rye or another brown bread, and I want it. In my kitchen, with nobody there to stop me, I mashed the two up. I made a rich bread dough, tender enough to pull apart with butter and eggs, but then beer where the milk or water would be. I threw in a slip of rye flour for flavor and muscle, but you can totally skip that if you don't have rye flour around. I made a sauce of melted butter, mustard and little steak sauce and a dash of hot sauce and brushed it over the dough and then I sprinkled the whole thing thickly with shredded cheddar that had been spiced with paprika, mustard powder, salt and pepper and then I cut the whole thing into stacked squares and baked it and shortly after that pulled from the oven a floppy, slinky or card catalog of a loaf of bread that made me immediately want to finish that cold beer in the fridge. Alas, it was time for preschool pickup, so as usual these days, I behaved like an adult. I promise not to make the same mistake on Sunday. Here's the recipe for ch- cheddar, beer, and mustard pull apart rye bread. This was inspired in structure by Flow Breakers Lemon Bread and in flavor by Welsh Rarebit. Uh, for the bread, you're going to need four tablespoons of unsalted butter, one quarter cup plus one third cup of beer preferably dark but really use whatever you like to drink two and a half cups of all-purpose flour divided one-third cup of rye flour two tablespoons of granulated sugar two and a quarter teaspoons of instant yeast that's also the same as one envelope one teaspoon of table salt two large eggs at room temperature for the filling you need three tablespoons of unsalted butter, one tablespoon of Dijon or mustard of your choice, one and a half teaspoons of Worcestershire sauce, dash of hot sauce, one teaspoon of mustard powder, one teaspoon of paprika, one half teaspoon of table salt, and several grinds of black pepper, and one and a half cups of shredded cheddar. To make the dough in a small saucepan, you're going to heat the four tablespoons of butter and one-quarter cup of beer, just until the butter has melted. Remove from the heat and add the remaining one-third cup of beer. Set aside to cool down slightly. You want the mixture warm, about 110 to 116 degrees, but not steaming hot. Meanwhile, in the bowl of a stand mixer, you're going to stir together two cups of the all-purpose flour, sugar, yeast, and table salt. With the mixer, mixer on low, you're gonna pour in the butter beer mixture, mixing only until the flour is moistened. Add eggs one at a time and mix until combined. The batter will look lumpy but will become smooth in a moment. Add the remaining one half cup of all-purpose flour and all of the rye flour, mixing until just combined. Replace the paddle with a dough hook and let the machine knead the dough for three to four minutes on low oil a medium or large bowl and transfer the dough to it cover loosely with plastic wrap and set aside for 50 to 60 minutes until doubled and then meanwhile prepare the fillings as far as doing ahead you can also rest the dough in the fridge overnight wrapped tightly with plastic the next day let it rest at room temperature for an hour before you're gonna roll it out then to make the fillings back in the same small saucepan that you used for butter and beer Melt the three tablespoons of butter. Remove from the heat and whisk in mustard, Worcestershire, and hot sauce until smooth and then set aside. In the bottom of a medium bowl, stir together mustard powder, paprika, table salt, and several grinds of black pepper. Add shredded cheddar and toss until grated strands are evenly coated with spices. I like to keep this in the fridge until needed so it doesn't get soft and clumpy making it harder to sprinkle over the dough in a bit. Then you're going to assemble the bread either coat a 9 by 5 loaf pan lightly with butter or nonstick spray and set aside. Turn the dough out onto a well-floured counter and roll the dough into a 20 by 12 inch rectangle making sure that it doesn't stick to the counter by lifting sections and reflowering the counter as needed brush the butter mustard Worcestershire mixture evenly over the whole surface right up to the edges then you're gonna cut the dough crosswise into five strips each should be about 12 by 4 inches 12 by 4 inches sprinkle the first one evenly with a heaping 1 quarter cup of the grated cheese which is now fine to leave out at room temperature and then gently place another strip on top of it Coat it with another heaping 1 quarter cup of cheese and repeat with remaining strips until they are stacked five high and all of the cheese is, is used. With your very sharpest serrated knife gently, oh so gently, the lightest sawing motions that the weight of the blade will allow. Cut your stack into six, uh, six to seven 2 inch segments. So each stacked segment should be 4 by 2 inches. I say 6 to 7 range because while your 12 inch length should clearly yield only 6 2 inch segments, I find that the dough, soft dough stretches so much when you lift and stack it that I end up with 7. Either amount will fit. This is totally not something to fret over one way or the other. Then you're gonna arrange the stacks of dough down the length of your prepared loaf pan as if filling a card catalog drawer I make this easier by standing my loaf pan up on its short end to make that uh, the next part easier. If when you are finished filling all your dough stacks you ended up with less than needed for the dough cards in quotes to reach the end of the pan when you return the pan to rest flat on the counter again just shimmy it a little so that the dough centers. It will all even out in the final rise in the oven and if you ended up with too many dough cards before you add the last stack simply press gently on the dough already filled, filed in to make room for it. You're going to loosely cover the pan with more plastic wrap and set it aside to rise again for 30 to 45 more minutes. Meanwhile, preheat your oven to 350 degrees. You're going to bake your loaf for 25 to 35 minutes until puffed and brown transfer to a wire rack and let it cool for five minutes before flipping it out onto a serving plate cutting board and serve warm with cold beer by the way maybe it's not obvious but you take off that plastic wrap before you cook it in the oven the loaf pulls apart easiest when it's hot or warm so if it's cool beyond the point that the layers wish to easily separate simply serve it in thin slices you can wrap the leftovers in plastic and keep it at room temperature for a day I bet the leftovers would be fantastic, reheated with some scrambled eggs. That just sounds super interesting. I hope you guys try it out there. Next, we're gonna go for a smoky eggplant dip. Mm. The first weeks in a new apartment are always about comparisons. The living room is smaller. The kids' room is a little bit bigger. Our room is narrower and contains only one closet that we must share, uh-oh but it also might be six inches longer, and in those inches we no longer routinely stub our toes on our dressers while fumbling around in the morning like the old people we've unfairly become. The living room gets less natural light, but for the strangest reason, a massive leafy oak tree outside, something I've walked by at the sidewalk level for over five years and never noticed. What is this, Brooklyn or something? The kitchen differences are predictably the most obsessively analyzed. For example, can we talk about the stove? It has not four, but five burners, and when I saw them for the first time, I nearly wept. Five burners. This is the small kitchen equivalent of the real estate fantasy of every New Yorker, which is to discover their apartment contains a whole extra secret room, one that would make their sardine can conditions livable. Do you know what I can do with five burners instead of four? No, seriously, do you? because about five minutes after declaring that it completed me I realized I had no idea what what the purpose of the middle burner is only that I welcomed it meanwhile I need to urgently tell you something until about five minutes ago I thought my favorite eggplant dip was called baba ganoush you know the one with the tahini and the lemon and the garlic it's not baba ganoush though they have in common smoky cooked eggplant baba ganoush includes pomegranate molasses walnuts and tomatoes. This dip mutabal. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. M-O-U-T-A-B-B-A-L. Mutabal. You seem really smart, so you probably already know this. I, however, can, can believe, cannot believe I'm only learning this for the first time. Why can't anyone tell me? Don't people know it's rude, like not telling me I have a parsley fleck in my teeth? I sometimes feel like being an adult is a series of moments like this when you realize that you might in fact know very little and it makes you miss the unwavering certainty of world of the world of the almost five set so I never thought I'd be able to pull off a good baba ghanoush uh, no I mean mutabal at home because I didn't have a grill a smoker or heck even a fire pit over which I could charm my eggplant for the perfect smoky roast and I like my eggplant dip smoky I found the perfect technique in David Leibovitz's latest book and my favorite one yet my Paris kitchen can I tell you a secret I know that we associate mr. Leibovitz a Paris dweller with French cooking but my favorite things that he makes are the things that he doesn't have as readily available as he once did in the Bay Area and he misses terribly because he's also a bit just a bit of a cooking obsessive I know he's made kimchi black and white cookies, and even mutabal a zillion times before feeling like there was re- they were ready for production and publication. So we all win. He has us cook the eggplant by charring it over a gas flame or a tiny beloved fifth burner until it is good and smoky, and then roasting it the rest of the way in the oven for voila, the most incredible cooked eggplant that's just and about anybody can make at home. From here, tahini, garlic, lemon juice, and seasonings bring it together. Made a side tomato-cucumber salad and toast some pita wedges, and I dare you to find a more satisfying last August meal. Here's the recipe, smoky eggplant dip, also known as mutabal, adapted from David Leibovitz's My Paris Kitchen. One of the trickiest things for me about nailing down a recipe for this dip that I called baba ganoush until about five minutes ago is that everyone has a different idea of what the ideal might taste like. I like a lot of smoky char, tahini and lemon. I try not to overwhelm it with minced garlic which gets much stronger after a day in the fridge. I um, use olive oil to finish it but not in the dip. I like parsley both mixed in and on top. A scattering of za'atar or toasted sesame seeds and sea salt are wonderful on top. Feel free to use this as a starter recipe and a cooking technique and then tweak it to your taste. Finally about the texture, I am so besotted with my new blender. I used it but distracted I took David's instructions quite literally to blend until smooth on Saturday night and within 10 seconds had made baby food which my friends, polite as they were, ate anyway. The next time that I made it photographed here, I just pulsed the mixture in little bursts, but it still became a touch too smooth for my taste. Want to know what I'll do from this day forward? I'm going to hand chop it. My mother-in-law does this with her eggplant caviar and it's the only way to ensure that you get a lovely texture that is not overly pureed. So there you go. This makes about two cups you'll need two medium eggplants about one pound each two tablespoons of olive oil divided one teaspoon of coarse or kosher salt to taste six tablespoons tahini which is sesame seed paste well stirred if a new container two garlic cloves peeled and minced or pressed the juice of one lemon plus more to taste if desired pinch of cayenne or aleppo pepper pinch or two of ground cumin two tablespoons of well chopped flat leaf parsley divided and toasted sesame seeds or za'atar for garnish. Heat oven to 375 degrees Fahrenheit brush a baking sheet or a roasting pan with 1 tablespoon of olive oil and sprinkle with 1 teaspoon salt. Prick the eggplants a few times with a fork or tip of a knife and over a gas flame grill or under a broiler evenly char the skin of your eggplants. I like mine quite smoky and I like to leave no purple visible. Transfer to a cutting board and when cool enough to handle, trim off the stem and cut lengthwise and place the cut side down on a prepared baking sheet and roast for 30 to 35 minutes until very, very tender when pressed. Let cool to room temperature. In a blender or food processor, you are going to scrape scrape the eggplant flesh from the skin and into the work bowl. Then you're going to add your tahini, lemon, cayenne, cumin, and one tablespoon parsley. Blend in short bursts or pulses, emphasized, (laughs) until combined, but still coarsely chopped. If you're going to do it by hand, you're going to scrape the eggplant flesh from the skin onto a cutting board, and then finely chop the eggplant, leaving some bits closer to pea-sized. In a bowl, you're going to whisk together the tahini, garlic, lemon, cayenne, cumin, and half the parsley, and then add the chopped eggplant and stir to combine. For both met- methods, taste and adjust the ingredients if needed. I usually need more salt and lemon. As far as serving, spoon into a bowl and drizzle with a remaining tablespoon of olive oil, scatter with a second tablespoon of parsley and some toasted sesame seeds or za'atar if desired, and serve with pita bread. For a big, delicious summer meal, you could serve this with a tomato-cucumber salad, ethereal, ethereally smooth hummus, and pita wedges. If you'd like to be fancy, grilled or pan-roasted lamb chops are wonderful here too. I use this method, and there's a link at smittenkitchen.com. But just season them with salt, pepper, lemon zest, and dried oregano these days. Enjoy. Thank you for joining us for food and stuff. My name is Gretchen Miller. If you enjoyed this program,